present and future of the Disneyland Resort. Welcome to Project 55. Welcome to Project 55, your gateway to the past, present, and future of the Disneyland Resort. I'm Chuck, and I'm joined by Amy. Amy, what's new with you? Well, just, uh, you know, living the life. It's it's fall here in Southern California, but it still feels like summer, so that's exciting. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, got to do a little quick bonsai trip into Disneyland the other night. Got to try one of the new uh, seasonal offerings that I was excited to try. Ooh, okay. Give me the details. I uh, went to the Stage Door Cafe and tried the cinnamon chocolate Mexican ah, sweet bread funnel cake. Okay. That was definitely on my list of something I wanted to try. Yeah, it was, it was definitely something I wanted to try. And I can say I've tried it and I'm good. I'm going to move on to the next thing on my list. <laughs> So, so I'm guessing didn't really hit the spot for you? No, it really didn't do much for me. The concept, like in my head, sounds good. You know, you have a funnel cake with a cinnamon chocolate sauce on top of the funnel cake and the whipped cream, the cute little ears and the, you know, pondulce on top. And like, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I was going to say, uh, the visually, it looks great. Yeah, it looks amazing. It's super cute. I mean, it was just... The only thing I really ate off of it was the pond say, and that was a really expensive piece of sweet bread. <laughs> it was, you know, ten bucks, but it just the funnel cake. The funnel cake part really didn't do much for me. There was nothing to it. I couldn't taste. Couldn't really taste the cinnamon and the chocolate sauce. There wasn't enough of the chocolate sauce. The funnel cake was hmm. kind of dry and flavorless to me. Super cute, very Instagrammable, but that's pretty much. Pretty much it. Didn't really do much for me. I ate the pondulce and then ended up taking a couple bites of the funnel cake and then tossed it. So, yeah, I tried it. It was cute. I got a picture. I'm good. All right. Well, I, I got to say, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little disappointed because I was looking forward to it. Uh, it sounded like on paper, like you said, it sounds good on paper. Like all those flavors together mm -hmm. should be a winner. But I guess execution didn't come together, huh? Yeah, it it just didn't work for me, and I'm sure I'm sure somebody I'm sure somebody loves it, but that someone was not me. Next on the list, um, definitely want to try the funnel cake from Hungry Bear with the pumpkin mm, ice cream. Now that one, yes, that one yeah. sounds like a winner. Hopefully, next trip I can squeeze that one in. We'll see, but uh, but yeah, so that's that's pretty much it on my end. All right, well there you go. So the Pandolce funnel cake. Kind of a meh from Amy. So. <laughs> That's the official rating. <laughs> meh. But if you've tried it and you've enjoyed it, please let us know. Maybe Amy just got a bad batch. I don't know. 
Maybe normally it uh, is drizzled with a bunch of sauce or who knows. All right. Well, let's uh, transition to our first segment this week. Uh, We're doing a resort rewind. And uh, since we're still in the Halloween season, I thought it'd be fun to take a look back at past Halloween events at the Disneyland Resort dating back to, you know, the first decade the park opened. Uh, Funny enough, you know, Halloween didn't come to Disneyland until 1959. Christmas and Easter came relatively early in the park's opening history, but uh, Halloween they didn't really decide to get on board with until, you know, 59. And I think that had a lot to do with kids being in school. Eastern Christmas, of course, was a time when most schools were out. So I'm sure they were looking at that as kind of heightened business time. Uh, Maybe not as much to do with Halloween, especially, you know, kids went trick-or-treating in their neighborhoods. But in 1959, Disneyland did allow kids to come in costume, and they had them carve pumpkins, uh, which were later judged. And uh, the children also got to parade with their pumpkins down Main Street in what they called the Parade of Pumpkins. Now, Amy, I I have to ask you, is there a pumpkin that you've carved in the past that you're proud of? One that you were like, wow, I, I actually did that. The most memorable pumpkin that comes to mind is one that I carved when I went to go visit a friend in Minnesota. Gosh, I don't remember what year that was. It was probably 18 years ago. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Good while ago. Good while ago. It was a while ago. But I remember that pumpkin because I gave her eyelashes. I found like little sticks, like skewers, and I colored them so that they were dark and I put them <laughs> in and made her eyelashes. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not particularly great at carving pumpkins. I think it might be due to a slight fear I have of chopping my fingers off. <laughs> I cannot be trusted <laughs> with sharp objects. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. I'm sort of even like even the pumpkin cutting like little safety pumpkin knives, you know, even those still kind of freak me out. Yeah. That's the one that sort of comes to mind. I have the sneaking suspicion that you were probably quite detailed in your pumpkin carvings. There was one that I was really proud of. And honestly, I feel, you know, at the time, this would have completely won the parade of pumpkins. Everybody would have just immediately gave up and yep, you're the winner. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) in the nineties, like I was obsessed with learning how to draw Bart Simpson. Like I was just obsessed every day after school. I would, you know, do different drawings. I, I would just like study the show as much as I could and just really try to hone in drawing Bart Simpson. And so one year I took those skills to the pumpkin and I carved a Bart Simpson pumpkin. And honestly, I was so sad when I had to toss the pumpkin out. I I wish it could have just lasted forever because it was just so perfect to me. And I I was so proud of it. Uh, But yeah, that, that is probably my most proud pumpkin These days, like, I don't do a lot of carving pumpkins as an adult, unfortunately, although it is fun. It is. It's time consuming, but it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like it's so easy now just to buy, like, those kits, you know, and you can just kind of plop things on. Or, you know, you can buy, like, the the fake jack-o'-lanterns to throw out on the the yard or what have you. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I was really proud of that Bart Simpson uh, back in the day, you know, which... 
I, I guess today that's a Disney character now, right? So it, it, it all comes <laughs> I mean, together. It's on Disney Plus. It all yeah. comes together. Uh, but that that was Disneyland's earliest Halloween sort of event. Now, this was, of course, part of your regular day admission to Disneyland, the Parade of Pumpkins. It's fun. They've sort of kept that tradition alive all these years because, you know, hand-carved pumpkins is still a thing on Main Street. You can walk down Main Street and see all these different pumpkins, you know, kind of paying mm-hmm. homage back to, you know, the days of the Parade of Pumpkins. And then, of course, we have the giant Mickey pumpkin. So pumpkins have definitely, you know, played a crucial role during Halloween at Disneyland uh, on Main Street, uh, dating back to, you know, 1959. Now, Disneyland didn't attempt another Halloween event until 1995. So quite the gap, quite the gap, 1959 to 1995 uh, is when they debuted their first after hours or separate ticketed event which was called Mickey's Halloween Treat. And that ran from 95 to 96. I think this was still the early days. They were still trying out like events and, you know, what to do with an after hours Halloween party. Uh, They must have not been too thrilled with it because it was just uh, those two seasons. And of course, this was during the time when you had Not Scary Farm and they were just kind of dominating Halloween. So... The Disneyland Resort didn't try Halloween again until 2005 as when they brought the party back, uh, Mickey's Halloween party. This time it was in DCA and that that ran there from uh, 2005 to 2009. And now, did you have a chance to go to the one in DCA? Did you do those early DCA parties at all? No, I think the first one that I went to was the first one they did when they went back to Disneyland in 2010. I didn't get a chance to go to those early DCA ones either. I did get to go to a cast member one, but that was <laughs> not quite the same. It was a little bit different. So yeah. So, but this this one ran for a while in DCA. So I, I feel like you know they were building themselves up. You know, each year getting better and better. And in 2010, they decided to move it back to Disneyland. And I feel this is when they really stepped things up because they'd had Halloween screams, the fireworks show. And then, of course, we already had the Haunted Mansion holiday overlay. And then we had Space Mountain with the Ghost Galaxy Halloween overlay. And uh, I believe this was the one you you just mentioned. You went to this one, right? The first one they had at Disneyland, 2010? Yeah, yeah. I went in 2010. And then I also went in 2014 and 2018, I believe. 2018. That was the last one at Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I... A thousand percent feel like each one got better and better. And I think it was just, you know, as the event like gained popularity amongst the people and, you know, it got a little bit harder to get tickets each time. Right. Nights would sell out pretty quick. And um, so more people were attending. Also, like ticket prices would increase. So they, you know, would have more money and there would be, you know, they got the the new fancy, you know, those light up, you know, Mickey pumpkin and ghost balloon things that were all over to kind of light the park. And right. each year was something, you know, kind of fun and different. And it was fun. I, I honestly, I think one of my favorite things about the nights were 
getting to look and enjoy other people's costumes because everyone would get so creative, especially like big families or groups that would go together. Oh, yes. Those family costumes were great. Yeah, where they like come up with the whole theme. And I mean, mm-hmm. people go all out and it's it's really fun to see what, what people come up with and their creativity. And yeah, that was probably the most fun for me. Yeah. My favorite is you always see like a group from Wonderland, right? Like you always will get like an Alice <laughs> and a... A Queen of Hearts and a Mad Hatter and March mm-hmm. Hare and so on and so forth. And that's always great. Honestly, one year I remember seeing the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was interesting. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Not really Disney, but uh, kind of. They were in MGM Studios for a second in Florida. But, uh, but yeah, definitely the costumes are fun. And then, you know, 2019, they brought the party back to DCA, the Halloween ticketed event. Uh, but they rethemed it to Oogie Boogie's Bash. I thought this was a clever move on their part, uh, having it hosted by Oogie Boogie, uh, because you basically, in Disneyland, you had Jack Skellington host the fireworks, Halloween screams. And so it was fun to, okay, well, now DCA is going to be the quote-unquote villains park. Oogie Boogie is taking it over. And <laughs> I actually got to attend the very first Oogie Boogie's Bash. And honestly, it was it was a lot of fun. Those, those trick or treat trails were just amazing. You know, they they had Maleficent and they had uh, the Wicked Queen, and both of those were just fun. I mean, if you've ever had a meet and greet with either of those characters, usually you know the sarcasm runs deep, and it was certainly there that night. <laughs> they were making fun of everybody <laughs> who passed by, and it was just great. Everybody was all for it, and so much fun, and. The candy, if we can just speak on this, like, my God, you know, it's become legendary at this point, but literally you can bring a pillowcase and that thing will be full by the end of the night. So much candy. So much candy. So much candy. So much. Yeah. My friend had her two young daughters with us and yeah, they they probably had candy for months after that thing. Like there was so much candy. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, the parade they have there, the Frightfully Fun Parade. If you ever get a chance to go to Oogie Boogie's, the parade is amazing. There's this um, the Haunted Mansion has a float there, and my, it was just great. A lot of detail, and just that's my favorite part of that parade. So if you ever have a chance uh, and you're at Oogie Boogie's Bash, uh, definitely take time to catch the parade uh, because it's worth your time for sure. As is everything. I mean, everything there is pretty good, but the parade is definitely fun. And it's unique because you can only experience it during that event. It's the only time you're going to see a Haunted Mansion float, at least currently. So definitely something to look forward to there. So Oogie Boogie's Bash has been running since 2019. Obviously, they didn't do it in 2020 for for obvious reasons there, but uh, they've had it for the last three years. And this year, it sold out in record time. So I can only imagine they're going to have it again next year. It seems to only get more and more popular. So, yeah, especially, yeah, I feel like tickets went really fast. This really year. fast. Yeah. It's one of those things if you, if you want to go, you really have to plan ahead of time to make yourself available when they open up tickets so you can uh, reserve yours right away. Definitely not something you're going to want to wait for. Yeah. You got to have the time and ability to sit there on that website too. <laughs> yes. Yes. And unfortunately, Disney website tech does not make that easy for you. There's inevitably always problems and it takes forever. Get on there early and join the queue yeah, for sure. Yeah. But uh, 
Oogie Boogie's Bash, you know, this year they introduced Judge Doom as a trick-or-treat trail that we talked about before. And never in my wildest dreams would I have thought we would have a Judge Doom <laughs> character meet and greet. So <laughs> that is amazing. And they just do a great job. If you're looking for character meet and greets, like Oogie Boogie's Bash definitely delivers on a lot of... Uh, rare never before seen characters and then you also have classic characters you can find and characters are dressed up in different outfits i know one year they had mickey and donald from their kingdom hearts attire they had chip and dale in their rescue rangers mm-hmm. attire uh so you, you just really never know who you're going to get to meet at the oogie boogie bash, but you can guarantee that it's going to be something amazing if, especially if you're into character photos And I feel like, you know, they just keep topping themselves. So we can only imagine who they're going to bring next year. In fact, perfectly transitions us to this week's Fab Five, where we're going to uh, postulate on five villain treat trail ideas for next year's Oogie Boogie Bash. Uh, Some characters that we would like to see in the park that have yet to have their moment to shine during Oogie Boogie. So... Uh, Amy, you want to kick us off with that? Number five. So coming in at number five, I think she would just be fun, <laughs> is Darla from Finding Nemo. Can you picture it? Like, Oh, man. Yes. Yes. That, that would be entertaining. She'd be like, hey, you, why are you sleeping? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Just, I can just picture that it. would be fun. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, I could see, you know, similar to like Sid Phillips, you know, from Toy Story. Like, yeah, just have a lot of fun with that one. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> Coming in at number four for us uh, is the Horned King from Black Cauldron. Now, this might be a lesser known character, but uh, if you've ever seen Black Cauldron, this is definitely a creepy, creepy character. And I feel like they could do just this awesome, really cool, immersive treat trail for him. You could have like the cauldron. You could have some of his like henchmen, kind of shadowy figures like floating about. And honestly, yeah, I think it would be visually very fun. And, you know, the Horn King might be a little too intense perhaps for for young kids, but... I don't know. I, I think he could make for an interesting and maybe it could provide for a revival for Black Cauldron. You know, I, I feel like that's, yeah. that's a film no one really talks about anymore. So definitely uh, pique some curiosity of those who haven't seen, yeah. <laughs> haven't seen the movie. Yeah. All right. Coming in at number three from Pinocchio. Stromboli. <laughs> now, this is one where I feel you could either do kind of fun tongue in cheek or you could kind of go the creepy sort of vibe. Either way, he was kind of a creepy dude. So, and, you know, if you wanted to throw in some I, puppets, are kind of creepy in and of itself. Like throw in some weird marionettes and <laughs> just, yeah, yeah you, you got the makings of, of some creepy creepiness for sure so um i feel like that could be a fun one yeah yeah just like you said pair him with some like creepy puppet dancers or something (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah, i feel like that would be that'd be a fun one it'd be a fun one yeah all right coming in number two and this one is probably a long shot uh for us and 
you know, it's not this character certainly has had has a presence in the Disneyland Resort, but I feel like they could do such an awesome treat trail for him. But number two for us is Darth Vader uh, from Star Wars, of course. You could argue whether Star Wars really belongs in DCA, but I feel like, you know, this is Oogie Boogie's bash. It's all about the villains and, you know, Darth Vader is a great villain. And I just feel you could do a fun treat trail for him. Like, you know, he could be flanked by some stormtroopers and, you know, he'd have his lightsaber and just Darth Vader's presence in and of itself, I think would be imposing and, <laughs> or you could also go fun Vader, right? Who likes to go on all the Disneyland rides. <laughs> and, I mean, you, you could go either direction. Either way, either way, he still has a, he still has a menacing presence. Like, right. even, you know, like he's tall, he's big, face kind of creepy. You don't know what's going on behind that mask. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's intimidating. It's kind of scary. Yeah. And and I feel like, you know, you could just have fun, like trying to get everybody to join the dark side or, you know, <laughs> it would just be a fun trail. And, mm-hmm. you know, me being a, a Star Wars fan, like I would just eat it up. We had some of that in the Jedi Training Academy that they used to do in Disneyland. But I feel like this mm-hmm. could be the next level of that. And they really could just go all oh, out yeah. and have a fun trail uh, for Vader to just be ominous. All right. Well, that leaves us with number one, Amy. Who, who do we have? Who's our most anticipated villain <laughs> treat trail? I just, I wish we had the drum roll because it's necessary. <laughs> it really is. I would be so excited to see this um, coming in at number one. The top villain treat trail idea that we have for Oogie Boogie Bash is to bring in Yzma and Kronk. Yes, yes. yes. The Emperor's New Groove. And honestly, you want to talk about a fun tree trail. This would be a fun <laughs> tree trail. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Isma would just be hilarious. And then you pair her with Kronk. And I just feel like there's just so, so much comedic potential there. And yeah, it'd be just so much fun. So much fun. And Disney, if you're listening, like, let's make this one happen. I, I feel like it's it's got to happen, right? <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> right so yeah Yzma and Kronk I I think would just be an amazing tree trail and hopefully one day we see that realized because that would be a fun one for sure Mm -hmm. oh yeah so there you have it there's our five uh, ideas for future villain tree trails at Oogie Boogie's Bash hopefully uh, one or hey maybe even all of them at some point Uh, we'll see the light of day that would certainly be exciting and Disney you know the check can be in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, before we before we leave, I wanted to have a fun deep dive conversation about uh some recent comments from Josh Damaro at a, a recent Disney Parks Investor Summit in Orlando. So specifically when asked about future storytelling ideas pertaining to Disneyland and some other parks. Uh, Josh Damaro actually brought up the idea of potentially bringing Frozen and Coco and possibly Wakanda to Disneyland. Uh, In fact, let me read his exact quote, uh, which goes, We have a wealth of untapped stories to bring to life across our business. Frozen, one of the most successful and popular animated franchises of all time, could have a presence at the Disneyland Resort. Wakanda has yet to be brought to life, 
The world of cocoa is just waiting to be explored. There's a lot of storytelling opportunity. So obviously, you know, he's he's kind of hinting that they're looking at these ideas. Now, whether they will actually come to the Disneyland Resort, who knows? Uh, but it seems like they're actively sort of going through their IP. And these are three that they're circling around. I thought it'd be fun just to kind of discuss uh, potentially bringing these IPs to, to the Disneyland Resort. Where would we want to put them? Uh, how big of a footprint would we want them? Uh, maybe we just take each one individually. So why don't we start with Wakanda? Uh, do you have any ideas, Amy? Wakanda, where would you want to see Wakanda in the Disneyland Resort? I feel like if we could somehow, you know, sneak in a secret entrance somewhere in Avengers Campus, that that makes the most sense mm, okay. of where to place it, you know? Right. As far as space-wise in the park and how that would work, I have no idea. But, um, you know, obviously, if you're going to visit Wakanda, like, there has to be... <laughs> it's not like you can just walk into Wakanda, you know? It's got to be... <laughs> there's got to be some... There has to be a journey to get to Wakanda, yeah. Yes, yes. I feel like that makes the most sense as far as, like, where it would go. Right. I feel like attraction-wise, you have so many options because um, when I think of, you know, certain scenes from the movie, you have, like, you could almost do something I, I envision something similar to like visually capturing Africa mm-hmm. in some way kind of like you would on like Soren okay but there there needs to be like a thrill element to it somehow uh, an action element to it you know I don't know I don't know I don't know I don't know what that look like my brain's not quite there so kind of like a a combination of like Star Tours and Soren, sort of. Yes, but something a little more exciting than just sitting in a seat, if that makes sense. <laughs> My brain is kind of spent right now, so the creative <laughs> juices are are lacking right now. But something to that effect. Okay, but definitely in Avengers Campus somewhere. So we have some kind of a. I, I'm tracking you with that. We have some sort of secret kind of pathway to Wakanda. And Avengers Campus. Yeah, like a secret way to get there. And I, I don't know, like that that almost needs to be a part. I think that could almost be an attraction also, like getting to Wakanda. <laughs> I don't know how you could, you know, tie that in. Yeah. A simulator is almost the way you would have to go with this, maybe. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But kind of the journey from Avengers Campus to Wakanda. <laughs> like some, somehow like that that journey you know, half the fun would be in getting to a condo, right? Like, you know, there's some sort of calamity you have to overcome or, or whatever. But yeah, that could that could be interesting. As far as me, you know, Wakanda of the of the three, it was the Wakanda was kind of the hardest one for me to figure out. Um I, I like the idea of bringing the entirety of Wakanda to life. I mean, I think that would be a very cool, visual, immersive land you could visit. But given the constraints of what we have at the Disneyland Resort now, and, you know, not counting like things like the Disneyland Forward project, things like that, because, you know, who knows if that's ever going to get passed or, or what have you. But just kind of going by the resort as it is today, I don't really see an area where you could create the entirety of Wakanda and make it like actual, like as grand as it should be, you know? So my initial thought, and this would be like a much smaller footprint, but I I think it'd be fun to do some sort of Wakanda slash Black Panther themed uh, show at the Hyperion. 
Mm. Where maybe you could call it like the rise of the Black Panther. Could be T'Challa's rise to the Black Panther, kind of his journey through that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could tie it into the Wakanda. And you, you could almost like get meta with it too, right? Like maybe the actual show is presented by the Wakandans, you know? Like you could have like Shuri or some other Wakandan royalty like introduce the show, you know, to start and kind of, hey, thank you. You know, we're paying homage to the great. King T'Challa, you know, it can kind of like tie into T'Challa and then, of course, Chadwick Boseman and things like that. And I don't know. I, I think it could be fun. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about ideas in the past for Hyperion. I think this would be a good one. You know, it'd be a good follow up to Steve Rogers or to Rogers the Musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot of fun uh, things they could do with that. But I, I feel like Wakanda, if you're going to do it, like, I feel like it does, like you mentioned, it has to be adjacent to Avengers Campus somehow. Like, that seems to be the appropriate area to have it. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, if they bring Wakanda, that's where they'll put it. <laughs> for, for all mm-hmm. we know, it'll go in Disneyland somewhere. But uh, on paper, that seems to make the most sense. But why don't we move on to Coco? So, Coco. Where, where do you see Coco fitting in in the Disneyland Resort? And to what degree? I mean, do, do we need a Coco attraction? Should it just be more of like a themed restaurant or, you know, or an entire land? I was going to say you could take uh, Rancho del Zocalo and retheme it to like a Coco restaurant. But then it's, it's tucked into Frontierland and that is kind of weird. I don't know, unless you were going to like redo Frontierland. I'll be honest, that could be fun to turn Frontierland into kind of the Coco themed. And then you could retheme like Big Thunder Mountain to sort sort of some kind of a train ride through like the Land of the Dead or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that would take some some extreme retheming. But it, it would. Could be it interesting. would. Yeah. It would. There, there would be a lot of unhappy people probably with the yeah. thought of like Thunder Mountain going away, Yeah, so. you're, you're touching one of the mountains there. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess another option, um, just because it's what's going on there right now, um, and kind of with, I mean, it sort of ties in with the holidays as well, um, come Christmas time, because they do Viva Navidad back there. But in DCA, that little back section... What is it called? Paradise Garden Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the where they have the uh, Plaza de Familia, mm-hmm. and they already take that one restaurant and kind of throw in all the 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 cocoa right. food, <laughs> you know, in that <laughs> one. And you could take the Boardwalk restaurant next to it, and you could retheme that as well. You could probably the roller coaster idea that you had for Big Thunder. Goofy Sky School could very easily become a similar thing as well. All right. Now now you're on my train of thought because that's exactly <laughs> where I was at. I, I thought, okay, okay, okay. if Coco's going to come to the parks, it's got to be DCA. And to me, it makes the most sense, uh, given what we have now, to just make the entire Plaza Garden Park area, uh, which includes like the Paradise Garden Bandstand, the... Uh, Paradise Garden Grill, Boardwalk, Pizza and Pasta, and then the uh, Goofy Sky School. Make all of that into the Cocoa area. So you could transform, you know, the bandstand. You could, of course, have bands continue to play. You could have the Mariachi Divas, other Mexican Latin themed music performers play there. 
And then you could retheme the restaurants, um, both both restaurants there to a kind of a cocoa themed. You, you could do one kind of quick serve and one more maybe sit down traditional table. You could probably turn Boardwalk Pizza and Pasta into kind of more of a sit down type uh, restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Goofy Sky School, I think you could completely retheme that to the Land of the Dead. If you remember there, you know how the buildings were the kind of stacked on top of one another. I think it's just kind of perfect. You kind of do that type of architecture. And then you could retheme the, the actual coaster ride vehicles to different spirit guide animals that would just take mm. you through the land of the dead i think that'd be fun uh, to me like as much as you know goofy sky school is a fun little theme i think as it is today it doesn't really fit the theme that they have currently so th- this would just to me plus it and i don't know that anyone would really miss goofy sky school if, if i'm being honest <laughs> i don't know there's probably someone out there <laughs> I, I think the potential for a coco attraction would be infinitely better in my, in my opinion the other thing here, though, I think they could really have fun with. So we've talked in the past uh, at Cars Land, right? How they do the shaboom, how they transition between day and night, and they have kind of a little ceremony there. Well, I think here with the Coco Land, during the day, you could have it be the land of the living. And then at night, it could transform into the land of the dead. Uh, and you could have this whole ceremony, mm-hmm, figure mm-hmm. out some way to incorporate like the the marigold flower bridge. I don't know through like lighting or or whatever. Interesting. Kind of that yeah, yeah. Falls and then it signifies that hey, we're visiting the land of the dead now, just kind of similar to how Miguel did in the film. And so you could have on the bandstand, you could have like Hector perform. You could have Ernesto de la Cruz. You know, you can kind of have Ernesto de la Cruz like year round. You know, he's such a great character. Oogie Boogie's Bash. Be cool to experience, be able to experience that year round. And, and then you could just light the whole thing with like fun, like black lights and just these neon colors and just bring the whole thing to life. And, you know, you could have cast members could kind of change costumes as well and kind of get into it that way to where they're sort of in you know costume maybe they could wear kind of like a skull like sugar skull mask kind of thing or whatever i just think it'd be fun at the transition i think would be fun it would, it would get you to want to go during the day and at night and i think it would be something unique and different and so i don't know if, if i had my wish what we have now that i think that would make a great cocoa land if you're going to bring it tomorrow let's let's put it right there do it do it do it and give me a fun transition i i can never get enough fun transitions you know Uh, i just think it's fun and it it creates a the sense of uh urgency to want to be there during dusk all right well let's uh go into frozen now uh now frozen of course has had uh, elements in the park i think even currently they have uh, anna elsa meet and greet in the animation building but Amy, if you were bringing Frozen to the parks at a bigger scale mm. than just a meet and greet, where would you put it? What do we want to do an attraction, just a restaurant, just a shop, or what are we doing here with Frozen? I don't know. I mean, I think um, there was a time when Stage 17 was a whole like little Frozen experience. Right. And I feel like the things that they offered... Uh, it, it was it was fun. It was unique. It was a unique experience. There was storytelling. There was music. There was like sledding. There was a 
character like Olaf meet and greet. Right, right. I feel like something, you know, the I'm all about the like immersion experience. <laughs> so like something like that, um, if something like that were to come back, I feel like that that would be really, really popular with uh, families of, you know, younger kids who are frozen obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I feel like there's a lot of uh, creative opportunities that you could utilize in a situation like that. Not saying that that's where I would put it. I mean, that is an underutilized area. I guess thematically it wouldn't make as much sense, but. No. Yeah. So like theme wise in my head, what makes the most sense is fantasy land. You take the area that's across from the Matterhorn where the, the, boat ride used to be okay okay it's kind of like a lounge area now yeah gut that whole area what used to be that whole attraction completely gut it and fill it in and you got space to sort of play with there the only thing that gets a little bit awkward in my opinion are the monorail beams that you have mm, to have to play around those, <laughs> navigate yeah. around figure out how to like what to do with that because that's going to be weird having a monorail go through Arendelle you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> but somehow utilizing that space okay. and transforming that space into like an Arendelle type little village or whatever makes sense in my head even like placement wise because um, I feel like the Matterhorn lends to like Arendelle vibes even but um you know wrong country but close enough right right uh, so, uh, but seriously I, I don't know how that would work in that space with the monorail being right there is the only thing but in my head that's like a lot of space that you could work with yeah I, I do like the idea that you've come up with a way that they could add without subtracting you know like yeah I can add something new without taking something out mm-hmm mm-hmm Oh, uh, that's good. Cause you know, I, uh, I kind of wrestled with frozen too. Like, where would I put it? And, and like you, it, it makes the most sense in fantasy land. I originally was trying to figure out a way to just uh, kick poo out and put, <laughs> put Arendelle over there <laughs> mainly. Cause I just, I guess I just have a vendetta against poo. I'm still, like I said, it's still bitter about him kicking the country bears out, but even though I get it, I get it ride capacity and all that, but Thematically, I just don't see how you could make that transition, especially once Tiana's Bayou Adventure comes, like making that transition from the Bayou to Arendelle, that would be kind of harsh there. Yeah. So my thought was, and mine, unfortunately, unlike yours, actually is subtracting. So this would be replacing something currently in Fantasyland. But my thought was to bring Frozen to... The area where Pinocchio's daring journey is now. So you replace Pinocchio mm-hmm. with a frozen dark ride. And then I would, of course, right next door to Pinocchio's daring journey, you have Red Rose Tavern. I would just retheme that as well to an Arendelle themed or frozen themed restaurant and just have that whole area be kind of a frozen area, that whole corner of Fantasyland right there. We would retheme that. Red Rose Tavern, you know. It's 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 hit and miss. I, I do like the Beauty and the Beast theme, but there's really no Beauty Beauty and the Beast attraction. You know, it's kind of always been weird to me. I mean, back in the day, we had Pinocchio's Daring Journey, you had Village Hoss. There you go, both Pinocchio themed. Now we have a Beauty and the Beast themed right next to Pinocchio. So I, I don't know. 
it would be nice to have kind of that whole area be themed together again. And you can sort of have this small kind of snippet of Arendelle getting your fantasy or frozen dark ride, frozen themed quick service restaurant. And of course they would still serve tots, potato bites. So, you know, that would, that would be <laughs> my only, my only prerequisite to uh, replacing Red Roast Tavern. Got to keep the potato bites. That's the best I could come up with. I, I kind of like your idea a little bit better because uh, you're, you know, you, you found a way to add frozen without taking anything else out. And I feel like that's always, that's always a good thing when we can add without subtracting, especially at Disneyland, given the mm-hmm. space constraints we have. Yeah, there, there's our ideas. So, you know, if one of these properties were ever to come to Disneyland, the Disneyland Resort, it's kind of a, where, what we would like to see. Uh, but who knows what they really have planned um, or how hard they're really looking at these properties. You know, they, they're they they're very keen now on just kind of throwing out ideas. <laughs> and like, this is what we're possibly thinking of. Maybe one day this could happen. Uh, I really think that they just like to throw this stuff out there to get people like us talking about it and just seeing like, what's getting the most buzz? Like, what, what you know, what, what do people mm-hmm. seem to like or what, what do they not like? So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I know they just announced uh, over the next decade they're planning to invest $60 billion into parks and cruises and the cruise lines uh, throughout the the world. So how much of that's going to be earmarked to Disneyland? Who knows? But clearly, based on these comments from tomorrow, they're, they're at least looking at adding things to Disneyland. So that in itself, I think, is cause to be optimistic that hey at least you know we're not being forgotten about <laughs> like, they're actively <laughs> thinking about ways to incorporate new storytelling ideas into the parks so that mm. in itself is exciting so time will tell uh, what we actually get or whether any of these come to fruition uh, I really hope the cocoa idea some, something similar to that comes so because I, I just would love to visit the land of the dead. I love the aesthetics of Coco and I just think it would be so cool uh, to be able to experience that uh, in person. All right. Well, with that, I think it's time for us to say goodbye, but on behalf of Amy and myself, we hope you've enjoyed your time with us. And if you did the best way to ensure your adventures continues to subscribe and follow the show, you can find out how to do that at helloproject55.com. And we would love to connect with you in between episodes. You can find us at our Instagram, which is at HelloProject55. We would especially love to hear your thoughts and ideas on creating a frozen Coco or Wakanda thing in the parks. We want to hear your ideas as well. So share those with us. Tag us in that. Send it to us. We can't wait to hear uh, what thoughts and ideas you have. We'll be back next week with more fun and exciting Disneyland experiences. Until then, take care and we'll see you real soon. Bye.